Hey guys, we have something special for you. For this season, we wanted to help you guys engage with the content in a couple of different ways. We actually have a Uversion Bible app devotional for this podcast series. So if you go into the Uversion Bible app and search in plans for things above, you'll see a devotional uh, that you can do as we go through the podcast. And that's just a way for you guys to be digging deeper into the Word of God as we go through this and uh, really getting into a habit of building intimacy with God in your devotional life. And the other thing that we've put together is an ebook Bible study. So if you guys uh, want to join with us and our church as we do Bible studies on this, you can look at the link in the show notes and download our ebook Bible studies and go along for the ride with us. Love you guys. Welcome to Generation Podcast, where we have real conversations about how God is working through this generation. My name is Josh Mann, and as always, for season two, we've got Sammy Haywood in the house. Let's go season two. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. You going all right? I feel healthy. I feel wise. I don't feel wealthy, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel good. So you feel wise, dude. That's a, that's a big call. I don't know. Well, the saying is healthy, wealthy, and wise. Okay, good. Okay, you got me there. We also have Ben in the studio, as always, our producer. How are we, mate? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So this is season two of the podcast. We, yeah. We made it. Mm. <laughs> We've had a nice break. Yeah, exactly. A, a, a long, long, time. long break. All right. Uh, season one went pretty well. Thank you so much for those who... Self, self-proclaimed. Pretty well. <laughs> okay, guys. That was great. I backed myself. Yeah, it yeah. was good. We can be confident. Yeah. Season one was awesome, guys. All right, let's, let's have go. fun this season. Exactly. Exactly. I did say before yeah. we started recording, let's have more fun this season. Yeah. A bit of positivity, Josh. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, season one went really well. So good. Uh, and thank you to all who listened. Thank you all who shared it. Um, there's so many people from different spheres of life who listen to season one, not just at our church here in Castle Hill in Sydney, but all around the globe, which has been pretty crazy, really, yeah. to think these these kids from the from the hills can talk about something and, and people listen, which is awesome. And so thank you for listening. And, and this this series, we're sort of jumping on the back of what we looked at last series in, in, in idolatry. And we're looking at, well... If idolatry is the things that get away or get in the way of our relationship with God, what would it take? What would it mean to have full intimacy with God? Mm. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here in in this season. It's going to be a bit of a shorter season this year, uh, but we're going to really be dialing into what is intimacy and how can we have that with God through all situations. Mm. So it's going to be crazy because intimacy is a bit of a weird concept to it start is. off with. And Sam and I were just spitballing before, and we we haven't really nailed what. Intimacy. We're all in this together, listeners. Exactly. So, what, Sammy? Give it to us. What you think intimacy is? Yeah, intimacy. Uh, before we get to that, I would love to maybe chat about why we're doing this topic as well yeah, on good. intimacy. Yeah. And I think that um, this idea of intimacy with God is actually a really important topic for our generation at this moment in history. And as, as uh, the, our team was praying about what God would want for us to do with this podcast, um, there was really a consensus that this was something God wanted us to touch. And it really has been hitting us very personally yeah. as well, because I think there's a, there's a big gap at the moment between knowing a lot about God and knowing God. Full stop, yeah. You know, 
And uh, that leaves us with this relationship gap. And Christianity can become something that's um, something that we're very used to, something that carries a is kind of stays in our head, but doesn't really sink into our. It heart. can become a process rather than yeah, yeah, uh, something you participate in really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really feeds into this idea of like, I'm not sure if God is happy with me. I don't think he likes me. I think he's frustrated with me most of the time. And I, I, as we've been talking to people, there's a lot of that going around, this sense of like anxiety and trepidation mm. yeah. in our relationships and, with God. And again, we probably, we might be the cause of that because we've been smashing idols yeah. that last season. We're like, get these idols out of your yeah, life. Seriously. And everyone's freaking out going, ah, God hates me. Yeah. But no, he doesn't. No, he loves you. Yeah, exactly. And so intimacy, what is intimacy? Yeah. I feel like intimacy is a very relational word. Um, it's something that... To me, when I hear the word intimacy, it, it kind of gives me that feeling of when you're really known by someone and that person really knows you and they see all of you. There's no fakeness. There's no masks. There's just real, genuine relationship where you're loved unconditionally. You're not being rejected. You feel safe to be honest all of the time. And it's a relationship like that, but with God, yeah. where you're relationally engaging with Him in a way that you're always real with Him, and it's a two-way street. Yeah, I think we can. We all have examples in our life where we have intimacy with a human person, with someone yeah. living on this earth who we're interacting with, because it's easy. What's easier? Uh, to an extent, to have intimacy in the here and now face-to-face because you can physically be real with that person. You Mm. see the emotions on their face. You see what they're going through. You journey alongside them. And so we know what it means to be intimate with the people in our life. But how how does that relate when it comes to God? Like how can we be intimate in the same way that I am with Beck, with my wife? I know absolutely everything about her. She knows absolutely everything about me. How can we have that? But with God, like, what yeah. does that look like? It's a really good question. Um, a bibli- there's a couple of really good biblical examples of people that had intimate relationships with God. Um, two that come to mind are Moses and David. Um, I was just reading David's story again this morning. And there's this incredible relationship that David has with the Lord where whenever David wants to do something or whenever he needs a decision, Um, whenever he's making a decision, he'll ask God, the Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord, blah, blah, blah. And then the Lord said, David, yes, David, no, David, do this, David, do that. And um, you really see an intimate relationship play out where it's not a sense of like, David's just going and generally reading something that God said once and trying to apply it to his life without ever personally engaging with the heart of the father. David talks to God and God talks to David. And I love that. Yeah. Like I'm so for that relationship with God where it's real, it's authentic, and it's unique. Um, and David's real with God when he messes up because David wrote so many of the Psalms. David's real with God when he's freaking out. David's real with God when he's loving life and he's giving praise to God. So I think David gives us a really helpful... Yeah picture of what intimacy yeah. with the father looks like and i love i love david's narrative because as you said he does stuff up a lot right because he's yeah. human and 
Can... Well, he kind of stuffed up really bad once. once. Yes, it's true. <laughs> and then everyone's like, David's such a terrible sinner. I'm yeah, like, exactly. if only you knew my story, bro. True. But we can we can relate to that. We can relate not, to maybe that. Maybe not the actual story, right? But we can relate to David's emotions, the, the things he's feeling when he yeah. stuffs up. But instead of just ignoring God and running away from God, he mm-hmm. goes to God. Yeah. Um, I think it's something important that you said that I really want to flesh out is it's not a one-way thing. Yeah. David does, doesn't pour out his heart to God and just shut off. Yeah. But God actually responds. Yeah. He delights when we come to him. Yeah. So and it's, it's even that idea of expecting God to respond. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes we pray and we're like, our prayer is really God bless my plan. <laughs> we and advise God. We advise God like, hey, God, I'm doing this. And if you really don't like it, give me a sign. <laughs> But we, David has this expectation that the Lord will respond to him in a unique way. And he'll, because we have the Holy Spirit, God lives in us. And so we can hear, hear the voice of God. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, we should have that expectation that our shepherd is speaking to us. Um, and God speaks to us in a number of different ways you know, through the Holy Spirit directly, through his word, sometimes through the advisor, um, the advice of of Christian brothers and sisters. But I feel like part of intimacy is that expectation that God wants to be intimate with you as well. Yeah. It's a bit of a buzzword in Christian circles, be expectant. Yeah. We're expecting God to work. We're like, let's have expectant prayer lives. It's one way to say that. And I've been saying that for literally 10 years, right? Sure. But it's one way to say it, one thing to say it, another thing to actually believe it yeah. and listen for the voice of God, whether that comes through the Bible, through the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, through other Christian brothers or sisters. But there's one thing to say. It's another thing to actually wait on yeah. that, right? Yeah. And so if that is on offer, mm-hmm. if an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, with the Creator of the world is on offer, why wouldn't we want to want to? Sorry, why wouldn't we want to know God more? We're a bit rusty in the first episode. Bear with us, everybody. <laughs> why, what was that? So why wouldn't we want? Yeah, that? if that is on offer, why wouldn't we want that? And so that yeah. is why we're going through this series. We're looking at surely as Christians, we want this intimate relationship. Yeah. However, there are things that we maybe think about God that is you know allowing us to you know to mess this up is uh, yeah. is making it hard for us to see God in this way yeah and it comes with this notion of God as our heavenly father mm. and i think a lot of us we know that God is our father yet i don't think we fully understand it yes you're you're really right i don't think i understood it for a really long time and it's probably only been the last two years where I've really begun to relate to God as a personal father figure, because I think a lot of us kind of grow up in context in church where we're told things like, you shouldn't expect experience in your relationship with God. You shouldn't chase experience. Um, You shouldn't chase emotional highs. You shouldn't chase emotional stuff with God. You need to make sure that you're mostly intellectually engaging with God. Um, And I think that's the way a lot of people approach God is almost like um, not trusting experience and not trusting emotion as if it's not a trustworthy thing. And so we, we think if it, 
if it isn't in the Bible, then it's not good. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Yeah, so talking about this, a lot of churches just trust the written word of God, which is amazing, which is awesome, but they sort of disregard the emotion behind it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because you know sometimes you'll be like, hey, be careful of chasing an emotional high or, yeah. an, or an experiential yeah. relationship with God because it's, it's not trustworthy. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot over the past couple of years. And if I were to say to you, hey, Josh, you shouldn't expect to have emotional experiences with your dad. You shouldn't expect good experiences or you shouldn't even chase experiences with your dad. You should just try and have an intellectual relationship with him. That would be quite an unhealthy, dysfunctional, unbalanced relationship with your father, you know? And I think when we begin to think of our relationship with God, our father, as our father, we think we should be engaging with God as we would engage with the best earthly father. That we, that we know. That we yeah. know. We yeah. should be engaging with him um, on an intellectual level and we should be engaging with him on an emotional level and we should even be engaging with him on an experiential level as well. Um, which means we should be expecting for God through the power of the Holy Spirit to be doing things that we don't expect we should be hungry for God to be pouring more of himself into us. We should be hungry to hear from God. Um, I would dare say we should even be praying for visions and dreams and stuff like that because we see that in the Bible a lot. And a lot of the times we're told, be careful yeah. of that kind of stuff. So I think part of intimacy with God is we need to redeem a lot of this experiential side yeah. Of our relationship in the same God. in the same way you have a relationship with your earthly father. Yeah. If that's a positive, amazing relationship where you have two way conversations and you, yeah. it's emotional, it's intellectual, it's it's all things in one. Yeah, that's the type of relationship that we should have with our heavenly father, and then to another level. To another level. Yeah. So it's that, but then on steroids. Totally. Yeah. And so, how can we, how can we best understand that then? What things can we read in the Bible to make us really understand our Heavenly Father like this? And we're going to take a short break now. Um, Joshy and Sam, we thought this time last year, um, last season, we got to know you guys a little bit better, but so I feel like everyone knows you pretty well. Yeah. So I was thinking if maybe Something we could better. play... A little game. Ooh, let's play a game. Now, I'm going to be super competitive, Sam. So yeah, I'm now, sorry. That's now, right. this I'm still going to win. So. This is a little game that is straight up a riff off of a popular radio show. We won't say which one, but yeah. this game is called Proverb Schmoverb. Now, <laughs> it is important to know that this is not even slightly biblical. Um, yes. These proverbs are not from the Bible. They may be at some point, but throughout the season. Basically, the game is you two will be given a proverb, and you will then text me what you think it means, and I will then. Uh, decide who I think is the closest. Does that make Great. sense? To the meaning of the proverb. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to read you the proverb and then once I do that, I'm going to play you some thinking music. Ooh. Um, so take time. Okay. And we'll figure it out. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm so... Oh, I can't wait to win. A rolling stone gathers no moss. All right. I'm just going to leave that with you. I'll say it again. A rolling stone gathers... No moss. Any early thoughts? I'm not giving anything away. Yeah. Mm. It's a tough one. Who said that? I 
actually don't know who said that. Oh, hold on. Ben, you're distracting credit, me. I'm trying to think. Cre- credit. Well, you just want people to listen to the, <laughs> to the to thinking the music. music. Okay. <laughs> it's actually credited to Publilus Cyrus. It sounds like a, a bone in your body. Oh, come on, mate. What? <laughs> There's a, you have like a pubis. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Sure. Fair. All right. Um, yeah. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Oh, it's so Still true. No like, reply. I've heard this so many times. I've actually heard this. And, yeah. That's unfair. Yeah, it's hard to put it into yeah, It's hard to words. put it into I know and like, it has the to be what, in my head. what I have written down. Because okay. otherwise you lose. We will be keeping score throughout the season. Winner will get a certain prize. Uh, I've sent it. I haven't got it. It's okay. I've got it. Okay. Interesting from Josh. Sam, still typing away. Are you confident with your guess, Joshy? Um, th- it no, needed, that's a no. Yeah, no, okay. it, it needed something else. But I would rather lock in something minimal. So you've gone for the safe option? Safe option. I think this is, you need to take more risks. Okay. Just so you know. <laughs> you, could, you should be a life coach. I'm, this is really <laughs> testing my vocabulary. Just hurry up. I think you're going a little too hard. I don't want an essay if yeah. it's like... I've, I've literally written seven words. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to think of the right word because I want to win. Yeah, but just hurry up. You're more intellectual than I am, so you should win. So We're currently I'm, at three minutes and nine seconds in counting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just going to put this word. Do you like the name, Josh? The Provo Schmoppo. Provo Schmoppo. I'm happy with the beginning of my answer and the end of my answer. I just, I lost vocabulary. Yeah, see, so. same. I, I wanted to add something, but I thought, you know what? I won't because minim- okay. minimal is often better. And you eight- know, the good thing is both of you, I can read them next to each other because they're both like one line. So that's, that's good. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm going to read. Do you want to read the proverb again? And then. Do you, you, want, you, I mean, do you want to run the game or? <laughs> <laughs> it's an just agent, to refresh our listeners. There's an agent proverb is. saying, okay. stay in your lane. <laughs> That's a good one. That's good. Okay, the proverb was, a rolling stone gathers no moss. Sam thought it meant, those who keep moving in life don't die. See, let me explain what I meant no, by don't that. No, explain. No, no, you don't get to explain. Oh, this sucks. Um, Josh, keep moving towards the goal set before you. He's quoting the Bible. So Josh said, keep moving Nothing towards the goal that. set before uh, <laughs> set before you, Sam. Those who keep moving in life don't die. Here's what it means. A rolling stone gathers no moss, which means a person who does not settle in one place will not accumulate wealth or status or responsibilities or commitments. Oh. I I feel like I was closer. I think I think that Sam wins. Ah. That yeah, I told you I was debatable. Debatable. Right. debatable. I told you one nil. Well, let's, let, we can also. I mean, it'll make no difference. But listeners, if you think Josh won, send us a Instagram message. Maybe we'll do a little poll. Do a little poll. It's yeah. a contentious issue. We'll do. But still, I won. So. Yeah, we'll take. Yeah, maybe okay. we'll keep two tallies: the, the people's tally and then oh my tally, God. which is the one that counts. All right. All right. Not happy about it. Let's get back <laughs> to the show. Um, again, there's a couple of things, um, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll kind of take this at a grassroots level when, when Jesus is baptized, um, that's a pretty amazing story because Jesus comes, I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Jesus comes out of the wilderness, 
after being in the wilderness for 40 days and he runs into John the Baptist and John the Baptist has been baptizing people, preparing them for Jesus. And Jesus comes up to John the Baptist and John recognizes Jesus and he tells everybody, this is the Messiah that we've all been waiting for. This is amazing. He's actually here. And Jesus says to John, you need to baptize me, right? Which is, John freaks out. He's like, what are you talking about? You should baptize me. And Jesus says, no, I need to be baptized. So anyway, Jesus gets baptized. And when Jesus gets baptized, the heavens crack open and the voice of the Father booms from heaven and everybody around hears the voice of the Father. And the Father says to his son, Jesus, and everybody else hears, uh, he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Now, every single one of us wants to hear that from our Heavenly Father. Like you desperately in, the, in your heart of hearts wants to hear God say to you, this is my son. Like, Josh, you are my son, yeah. and I'm pleased with you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, just as I say that, that's just sinking in. You're like, every single part of me wants to hear that affirmation. Yeah. You know, and we talked about the idol of approval. It's like, this is where it's supposed to end up, with this desire to hear from your father, Josh is my son, to be and I'm to be Please. fully approved to by be God. fully approved by God. And so God says this to Jesus. He says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in, in the form of a dove. And then Jesus begins his ministry. Now, this is where everything starts for understanding intimacy with God. When I think about it, because Jesus life took us on a spiritual journey in which we could hear those words from the Father. Josh is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Ben is my son with whom I'm well pleased. You know, um, Jasmine is my son. (laughs) Sam is my son. Um, Now, how did that happen? And that's quite quite nuanced, right? Now, the first thing that we need to talk about is the Father said this to Jesus before Jesus started his ministry. Yeah. So the father said this to Jesus before he healed anybody. He said this to Jesus before he fed the 5,000. He said this to Jesus before he walked on water. And he said this to Jesus before he died on the cross and paid for the sins of the world. So Jesus did nothing to earn that title. Jesus did nothing to earn the approval of his father. He was approved by his father because... He was his father and Jesus was the son. So the approval of God is entirely about being a child of God and not your performance. In the same way, when a literal child is born mm-hmm. in, in this earth, yep. a father will hold the child in its arms yep. and literally love it from the day it's born, not because anything the child has done. Yes. Because obviously a newborn can't do anything. (laughs) Like not because the newborn is going to get up and make a cup of tea for the dad. It can't happen, right? But he loves that child before it can do anything. Yeah, because because it's a child. Yeah. So the question is, how do we become children of God? Hmm. And that is what Jesus' ministry was all about. Making us children of God to the same degree that Jesus is a child of God, right? So the Bible says that wow, we... Let that sink in for a little bit. So the, 
the work of Jesus' life, living the life that we never could, dying the death that we should have died, mm. um, being resurrected as the prototype of our resurrection, the Bible says was so that we could become children of God and the Holy Spirit was put in us to be the seal of our salvation so that our hearts might crater him, Abba, Father. Right? That's what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, I think you've got the references there, so maybe we could we could press into that. Yeah, Galatians 2 and Galatians 4. Galatians 2 talks Galatians about... Galatians 2.4. Or Galatians 2.15 to 21, right? Talks about the gospel of grace and yep. the fact that God actually looks down and he accepts us, not because anything we've done, but right. fully because of his grace. Yes. And I think that's, we understand it intellectually, yeah. but do we understand this practically, emotionally, everything all in one? Spiritually, yeah. do we actually understand this? So Galatians 2, 15 to 21 says, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Bang. So... That's what the Bible says. You are not justified by your works, but by faith in Jesus Christ, right? So that's the whole like, you're not justified or you're not made right with God by your performance. So that is the thing that most of us hold at arm's length because so many of us believe that in our heads and act in an entirely different way because mm. when we screw up, when we sin, when we fail, we relate to God as if he were justifying us based on our works and not by faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're afraid to go to God when we stuff up because we think he's angry with us. Yes. We think he's disappointed with us. But we are justified through faith, not because of performance. Yes. We are children of God for through our faith, not because we did anything. Yeah. And I think it's Romans that said you were saved by grace, not through works, so that no one could boast. So this is the truth of the gospel, right? That whole performance thing. It's actually not about performance. Jesus proved that in his baptism. It's about being a son. It's about being a daughter. Now, the problem is that because we're sinful, we forfeited our sonship. We forfeited our daughtership and we became orphans, right? And the process of Jesus bringing us back to the Father is called adoption. Yeah, and that's Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 4 to 7 talks yeah. about adoption to sonship. Adoption to sonship. So we've become a son again. We've become a daughter again. And we can have that intimate relationship, not just intellectual, but intimate in every sense of the word, mm -hmm. where it's not based on performance. It's based on the grace of God. Absolutely. So that we can hear from God... Josh is now my son with whom I'm pleased. Why is he pleased with you? He's not, and this is really important. The father is not pleased with you in a generic, I'm just pleased with everyone because Jesus washed away their <laughs> yeah. sins way. Yeah. Which almost doesn't help your soul at all. Yeah. What it It's not like he's just, oh, everyone can come in. It's not, he's not doing that. Sure. He's not opening a door and saying, just... Generally, everyone's great. You can come in. I love you all. Yes. So what I hear sometimes is when God sees you, he just sees Jesus and he doesn't see you at all, right? Terrible theology because Jesus, like Jesus took away your sin so that God could see you. Wow. 
and he knows you and he sees you, who you are and all your mistakes, but he doesn't care because he loves Sam Haywood because of who Sam Haywood is and the faith that he has in the, in the in his son Jesus Christ. Totally. And I think what what the the whole process of uh, the cross of Jesus Christ means is that so your guilt and your sin are completely wiped away and the Bible says God remembers your sins no more. So that when the Father looks at you all of the things that you have done to wrong God have been completely wiped away. And what does he see now? He sees you as you were created to be. And every, every time you sing a worship song, it delights him, right? It's not a generic thing. It's unique. He hears your voice. He sees your heart. That offering of praise is a delight to him. Every time you worship him with your finances, it's a delight. Every time you make a sacrifice for the sake of his kingdom or the glory of his name or just to please his heart, He's delighted in you. He's pleased with you. He loves you. Every time you praise him, but also every time you go to him and ask for forgiveness. Absolutely. And even more so. Yeah. Every time you run to him. Yeah. You run to him in all circumstances. He delights in you because you are a son or a daughter of him. Yeah. And it's not because of anything you do. It's mm-hmm. just because he loves you because the, the sin has been washed away. Yeah. And he can see you and you alone Yeah, in that moment. And he does that for everyone. It's crazy, man. So I didn't get this until a year and a half ago. So what happened for you to yeah. So it was, it's, this? It was a pretty powerful moment. I was um, at a worship night with, with some friends of mine. And um, I had always just had this very God loves me generically kind of, kind of view. And I felt like I was generally a disappointment to God, that he was kind of frustrated with me and that whole mentality of I'm just a worm and who am I and blah, 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 <laughs> all of that. You're just dust, you know, yeah. it's like, okay. <laughs> um, that's how I felt about myself. Anyway, I, we were having this worship night and um, the people that I was with have had quite strong prophetic giftings and they were praying for me. And we, we kind of stopped the worship night and my friend said to me, Hey, I'm just getting a sense that the Father wants you to know that He loves you. And I just started weeping because I had heard that a thousand times every year, but it just seemed like, oh, He loves me because He loves everybody. But in that moment, it was as if the Father looked at me and said, I love you. And it just kind of clicked. It just kind of got to me. And since then, um, there have just been moments where people have prophesied over me and said really simple things like, hey, God saw this thing that you didn't. He, he was really proud of you for doing that. And that kind of thing is what we all long to hear from our earthly father. <laughs> How much more our heavenly father. And because Jesus has taken away our guilt and our shame and our sin, the father now can see the things that we're doing in worship of his name. And he actually is delighted in those things. He actually is proud of us when we honor his yeah. name and he actually does love us. And I think for me, that was so healing for so many wounds. And since then it actually opened up an intimate relationship with the father that actually became a much more father son relationship. 
Yeah. So how, how does that play out then? When you talk about that father-son relationship and you fully understand mm. God as your father, what does that literally look like in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I've been really um, pressing into David's life quite a bit, reading his story to try and understand what it means to have that kind of intimate relationship with the father. And most of the time, I think it means just being real with God and just having a conversation with God and saying things like, Father, I I do really trust you and I do back you. And I know that there have been, and this is something, I'm just saying something I prayed last night. I really do believe at this point in my life, God, that your plan's better than mine. And I totally... I've, I've been through enough things where you've said no to stuff and then later I've thanked you for it where I'm kind of on board with everything that you do. But when it comes to this one thing, I'm really lost. Can you help me understand what I, what's going on here? Am I just not ready for you to give me this thing yet? Or are you trying to teach me something before I'm ready for it? Or is the timing not right? Just kind of help me understand what's going on here. Mm. And then waiting and expecting him to speak to me. And believing that he wants to help me through that and he wants me to understand his heart and he wants me to understand his will. And it's just having a a real dialogue with God where you expect him to speak back to you. And I think expectation looks like there are many ways that we can hear from God. I would say the the best way is open the word of God because I think that's the way that he likes to speak to us the most clearly. Yeah. So you, you pray that prayer and then you said the best way is to open the word of God. Then what do you where do you start? Do you just literally open a random page and go, God, show me a word? Like what what how's that um, process work? For me, last night after I prayed that I actually had a phone call with a close friend of mine and he ended up kind of prophetically speaking into that. He he didn't know that I'd been praying that, but he actually gave me an answer that totally resonated and made sense of all of that for me. Um, And then this morning, I really felt the Lord impressing on me, go back and read David's story again. And then I was reading about how David interacted with Saul, you know, after he fled from Saul. And there was a lot of clarity. God was saying, hey, this is kind of what I'm doing in you at the moment. And it's just kind of that journey with God, listening to him speak through different ways. Yeah. So it's it's going to God in all situations, completely vulnerable, like you would your earthly father, if you have a really good relationship with your earthly father. And then waiting on him for the answer. Yeah. And I think that's the key part too. And, and not just waiting for the answer that you want, mm. but waiting on him for an answer that he wants to give you. Yeah. Whether that is someone in your life who has prophetic gifting and, mm-hmm. and, and that happens, or whether it's the word of God or there's a verse or a story that God really implants in your heart or in your mind, press into that. Yeah. Because relationships are a two-way street. Yeah. We go to God and we say, God, you know what? We're struggling with this. Mm. Be vulnerable. But the second part is so important, waiting on God. Yeah. And for me, intimacy with God, I think it's only really been these last six months where I've really been able to understand that intimate relationship. I think it's, it's stemmed from looking at idols last year because I think yeah. a lot of my energy before we looked into idols was, was the approval of, of people. Yeah. And so I was spending all my time pouring out energy to please people and not mm-hmm. pleasing God. Yeah. And so when I when that idol was finally illuminated in my life and I was able to cut that out, mm-hmm. I could then direct that energy purely towards God. Yeah. And have that intimate relationship where you're vulnerable, where you're saying, God, this sucks. 
this really yeah. sucks. Yeah. But then waiting on him for the answer in a time that's literally happening right now for yeah. me um, is so Beck's pregnant. Which is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Josh is going to be a dad, everybody. Which is crazy, right? Like, Mm. You're going to be an amazing dad. Yes, it is crazy. So like when I was talking about holding a child in my arm, I literally did like the cradle thing. I looked down and I'm like... It was super cute. Josh is air cradling a baby right now. (laughs) (laughs) Air cradling. Looks good. But at the moment, like, so Beck's pregnant. She's about 15 weeks pregnant. Amazing. Praise God. Mm. But she's suffering from horrendous morning sickness. Mm. Like I'm talking 24-7, it's, morning sickness is a terrible label for it, Yeah. right? Because it goes all day. All day sickness. And so she's struggling with horrendous morning sickness. And this has been happening for literally 13 weeks, mm-hmm. for the best part of 13, 12 weeks. And at the moment, we're literally, both of us, every single night on our knees, going towards God and saying, God, what is happening? Yeah. God, we are at our wits end. Beck is literally saying, God, I'm struggling. Mm. And I'm there saying, I'm struggling trying to support Beck, you know? Mm. And so at the moment, we're literally on our knees going, God, what is happening? Yeah. Please work in this situation. Let us understand what's happening. And in that, I think I've grown a sense of intimacy with God because I've been vulnerable. Mm. Vulnerable in the sense of I have no control over the situation. Mm. Beck has no control over the situation. So we have to be vulnerable. Yeah. We have to press into God. And at the moment, like nothing, you know, nothing is hard. hard. It's not, nothing's working and it's frustrating. It's tough. But every single night, every single day, we just have to press into God and Mm. we're just waiting and waiting for him to answer. Mm. And I'm praying that'll be tomorrow. I'm praying that someone will give us a word or, you know, we, we see something or, or anything, but intimacy with God is fully surrendering control. Yeah. I think that's what Beck and I are doing at the moment, and it's tough. It's hard. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard, hey, Mm. because we kind of assume that intimacy with God means feelings, (laughs) feeling God. And, um, And thanks for sharing that story as well, by the way. And I think you guys are handling it in a really healthy way. Because you're being real with your friends too. And I think that's a really good example um, to a lot of us of how to journey with God. I think you guys are um, really showing a lot of people what it looks like to be intimate with God. Because it doesn't mean always saying, hey, God's saying 10,000 things to me this week and it's exciting and he speaks to me all the time. Intimacy looks like just being real with him. Um, For me, I remember the probably the moment where I found it the most difficult to be intimate with God was about five years ago when I um, got anxiety. And when I got anxiety, it kind of hit me in one second. It it was just like I was totally fine. And then the next moment, it just was as if all hope was sucked out of my soul. And I actually couldn't, quote unquote, feel God for about 18 months to two years. And it completely rocked my faith. And I saw a psychologist and he helped me because he was a Christian. He helped me understand how, why I wasn't feeling God. It was actually a, a neurochemical thing because when you have anxiety, it's kind of like a disjointed fear because it's, it's a good system. You know, like you see a lion, you feel fear, you run away. It's that fight or flight kind of 
release of chemicals in your brain, but there's no lion and it's not really connected to anything. And so your brain searches for the riskiest thing in your life and makes you fear that leaving. And so for me, the riskiest thing in my life was God. And I just had this horrendous fear that God didn't exist. You know, that was where the anxiety ended up settling. And I couldn't feel him at all. And whenever I prayed, it made anxiety worse because <laughs> I couldn't feel him. Um, and so I wrestled so much. And I, my, my relationship with God in that season was completely devoid of any feeling whatsoever. I couldn't really pray because it made me anxious. Um, I didn't have any happy thoughts in my relation to God. All I had was holding on to the truth that um, I think it's Hebrews that said faith is assurance of things hoped for and things not seen. And I held on to this reality that the Bible says to me that faith is the substance of what you hope for and don't see. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes intimacy, God, in, intimacy with the Father means even if I don't feel it, I know that faith means I have hope in things that I don't see, don't feel, don't perceive, don't understand, but I still choose to believe. I still choose to rest in the Father. And I know that even if I don't feel it, even if I'm really shaky on this, I I know He's not going to let me go. Yeah. And for two years, for me, intimacy with God meant to not give up on God. Yeah. And I journaled every day. I was like, God, this sucks. I can't feel you. I can't hear you. You have to speak to me. I'm going to lose my faith. My life's being destroyed. I can't handle this anxiety. I feel like I want to die. And you have to give me breakthrough every day for two years. And I heard nothing from God. And then my brain started to heal and my life got better. But for me, that's what intimacy looked like because yeah. I was still speaking to him, even though I didn't really like I was hearing his voice through his word, but I was I could only intellectually engage. Yeah. But that's still intimacy. Exactly. And what we've just talked about is a couple of different scenarios where we have still been intimate with God despite mm. a situation. And that's what this season is about. Yeah. We're literally entitling this season things above, looking towards God and grappling with this idea of intimacy and fighting for intimacy with God throughout all situations. And so the episodes coming up is literally, how can I be intimate with God when life is busy? Mm. How can we be intimate with God when I don't feel Him, when I don't understand, when I'm experiencing loss and grief, when I'm on the mountaintop, when life is awesome, or when, when I'm feeling guilt and shame? Mm. And so we're going to be exploring those six topics over the next couple of weeks and months and exploring how can we be intimate with God, pursue this intimate relationship with the Father, our Heavenly Father, despite every season we go through. And so we're hoping this is going to be such a blessing for you guys listening because the most important thing for us, the most important thing for Christians to understand is our God delights in you. Mm. He delights in you because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So we're hoping and we're praying that this season is going to be such a blessing for you guys, such a blessing for the listeners. And and if you like this podcast, if you like these episodes, please share them. Please talk about them at, at church, whatever church you go to. Share them around because the more people that hear and know the intimacy of God, the better the generation will be, right? Because renewal in our generation must start with a renewal of 